Hello and welcome to another True North Nutrition podcast. Today I have a very, very fun guest. Uh, I met this man on a trip, we'll call it like a conference for nutrition coaches. And we didn't really know each other before the trip, but we got to know each other uh, pretty well, well enough over that time during that conference. And we definitely vibed on a lot of the a lot of the same wavelengths, both former athletes and both just extremely passionate coaches. And I know that Jonah is going to provide a lot of valuable information and just bring a great conversation for today. So Jonah Mitchell, man, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yo, thank you so much, man. When you reached out to me, I was like, hell yeah, I want to talk to you. Can I, can I cuss on here? Is that yeah, yeah, that yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah. But yeah, I'm super excited. I'm really like, just... To, just to get a chat about a bunch of stuff, man, it's going to be fun. I'm really happy. Yeah, exactly. So two, two things that really stood out to me too, and like getting to know you and Hannah, of course, because you're there with Hannah, right? Is one that I could tell you really, really valued your relationship with Hannah, which is, which is cool. Right. And that's something that I've heard, you know, about Allie and myself. So I was just like, all right, like, see the vibe like we're at same same wavelength there and then found out you were a former college football player right yes sir cool so i would love to hear a little bit more of your story you can go relationship sports whatever let's hear a little bit more about jonah man um okay well what is oh boy where do i start so i played all the sports growing up soccer football baseball karate was actually my first sport but um, ended up sticking with football all the way through high school and ended up getting a scholarship all the way there. Um, played in a small D2 school in Colorado, but still had a, a blast. I had so much fun. Um, so played uh, defensive end. Uh, I was a very undersized defensive end. I'm 6'2". And uh, when I showed up to college, I was 175. And uh, actually, funny story, when I showed up to high school, I was 160 and never played defensive end before. And I told them, hey, I'm a, I'm a defensive end. They, the D-line coach laughed at me. Said, <laughs> you better get bigger. So then I dealt with that. Like, I was like, screw you. Like, uh, Elvis Dumerville was my favorite defensive end uh, growing up. 5'9", like 220 NFL uh, defensive end. So I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it, being just tall and lanky. So I went through high school. I, knew, I didn't get heavier than like 185. And then got to college. And uh, the only school that wanted me to play defensive end was uh, Western Colorado University. And I showed up at two, 200 pounds. And again, they laughed at me. They're like, you, you played defensive end? No, no, you play linebacker now. Here you go. And that was, a, that was a very interesting thing. But that's where I've always kind of been involved in sports and so fascinated by performance. And I was always my, my biggest critic. Um, and I'm sure a lot of like you can relate, but so many uh, athletes I talk to, we're, we're always hard on ourselves, never giving us, ourselves the benefit of the doubt or any credit for some things that we do do well. Um, so even through high school, people would say, Jonah, that was an awesome game. Like you're, you're going to go places like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay. Same thing all through college. I became a three-year starter and people were like, dude, that was an awesome game. Like, ah, it's okay. It wasn't the best, but I was always never, I never reached my full potential. And it was really so frustrating. Um, and I'm kind of going into why I became a coach in the fitness industry, um, mainly because I loved playing football. The competitive aspect was so much fun. And I had these big, big dreams. Like I wanted to be an all-conference, all-American athlete, uh, but I was always not quite there. And I was always really, really angry by that because I, I knew my D-line coach said 10 sacks in a season, 
all American. That's like the standard for D2. You have to have at least 10 sacks. I was like, okay, 10 sacks. It's a sack and a half a game. I can get that done. Or uh, it's at least a sack every game. I was going for one and a half. Uh, but I ended my career as I was walking out on my senior game with a total of six sacks. And as you hear that, as you're walking out to your final game, you're like, wow, what, what did I do for the past four and a half years? And that, that really hit me. I like, I kind of got taken out of the moment of like, this is the last time I may be able to play football because like, I, I kind of suck. <laughs> Dude, um, it's, it's very real, man. Like I've, I've literally had like dreams of like going back to play football. Cause you feel like you have unfinished business. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I just got done playing flag football because like, okay, <laughs> like I could, I feel a lot better now, but I'll get into that story in sure. a second. Um, so yeah, I finished my season and my career at the, at, in college and that thought of just like six X in, in the four and a half years I, I played. And I was just so fr- like baffled. I was like, how do I dedicate my entire life to something and have literally nothing to show for it? No accolades, no, no records, nothing whatsoever. Um, and that frustration kind of twisted my, my thought process into, uh, me going and attempting to be a professional athlete, a professional football player. And, uh, I tried, I had an NFL tryout just cause I knew, knew a buddy who, who got me one. And then I had, uh, two, two Canadian football league tryouts. So I graduate in December. I moved back down to Denver and a training facility that trained me. This is the first time I was exposed to to having a personal trainer, I was like, oh my God, you can do this? Like there's a, a bigger life than just practice? Like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> so it's like mostly like weight room time and like high school, college was just like maintenance, like squat, yeah. hang power clean. Yeah. Buys and tries and get out. <laughs> yeah. And then I get exposed to like actual speed and agility training, like to the, to the millisecond, to the step of like how you can improve your performance. And I was like, holy crap, really? Okay, so I was training with three, no, four other athletes who were all All-Americans who were going to be in the NFL. And I was strong. Like this is when I was squatting and deadlifting over 500 pounds, uh, 225 bench press for for 21 reps. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, that was it. I was a, basically a power lifter against these guys who were quarterbacks, DBs, and running backs who were just fast, fast yeah, so athletic. And they were just, they, they, I, I played against a couple of them, but they, they were the epitome of what I thought I could be. But I, I've had my, my whole process of what it meant to be a better athlete skewed by past coaches, which I have no animosity towards them, but it was always get stronger, you perform better. So I was like, okay, if I get strong, right. I'm going to be the best athlete I could be. Walking so up there like, strong as fuck every day, every week, working on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was again, squatting over 500 pounds, deadlifting over 500 pounds. I felt great in the gym. The second we moved to go do any agility or 40 training, man, man, that was the slowest I had ever been in my entire life. So that was frustrating because every week these athletes were getting better. They were getting better. They were maintaining strength. Right. But I was like, nah, but like this dude squatting like 225, throw, throw 315 on there for my warm up Cause I can <laughs> do that. And then they go out and school me in the 40 yard dash with all the mechanics that they've been practicing for years. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like 10 plus, no, actually 15 years of doing the same football mechanics. I've just always been naturally talented. Um, not like 
to like say, oh, I'm the best, but more like I just kind of went with my pure athleticism more than mechanics over everything else. So when I actually saw mechanics and athleticism in action with these athletes that actually had a shot to go professional, I was crushed again. I was like, crap, like how did I convince myself to get down and train for this? But I, I'm <laughs> incredibly stubborn and I didn't, I didn't stop. So the, the NFL tryout fell through. So I, I had a couple of CFL tryouts to go to. So uh, all my training for pro agility and L drill and 40 didn't really transfer at all. Like I was uh, 245, the heaviest I've ever been, strongest I've ever been, but I was so slow. So I go out to these tryouts and they were the slowest 40 times I've ever ran, uh, like five plus second 40. And I like my fastest was like a four or four, seven. And like, I felt destroyed. And then the last thing I got in the tryouts, so like it was all, all the traditional stuff, Eldro 40 and, uh, and, uh, five, 10, five. And then the last thing was one-on-one drills against the offensive linemen that were there. And I won one out of the 30 reps that I got. And I just sat there on the hot turf. Cause I was in Vegas, like, Holy crap, this is it. This is really, this is how my football career ends. Cause I was too stubborn to, to throw it in. But so then I waited for like two, three, two, three weeks, and I eventually got the uh, an email with a video saying, "Hey, thank you so much, but you, we are no longer uh, recruiting you, so uh, we'd love for you to come back next year." But at that time, I was like, I'd already been crushed from my senior game. I've been crushed from my training that I've been doing with athletes who who knew what training was, right. and then I got the an actual official no that. I will not be a football player anymore, or at least not recruited. So that, that was the time where I was like, okay, well, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I really kind of lost all, all feeling of what I should be doing. Uh, but that, that frustration, that desire to, to want to know why I didn't perform at a better, like these athletes that have were performing way better than I was is what sparked my, my initial in, interest in becoming a trainer. And that was a very roundabout or long story, but that's how I kind of got all started here. Um, and before I go further, did you want to ask a question? I think you were going to say something. No, I just like, I, I, I love hearing like the, the whole story. And to me, it's like, that's how, like, I have, I have a very similar story, but it is, it, it, it sounds like it's roundabout, but it, it's incomplete without all that information. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a lot of stuff in there that I just loved hearing. So like, one thing that I think is it's huge. It stands out to me. And I didn't know this about you, but you did karate when you were younger. Yeah. For a couple of years or just like literally like what? three weeks. <laughs> okay. 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 But yeah. like, I, but I get that because that's like, so for me, I did Taekwondo when I was younger and like, you can start very, very young there and like belt up and everything like that. I actually like got my black belt before I was 10 years old. So really, yeah. And, but the reason I bring that up is because whether you do it for three weeks or three years, you start to get that mindset <laughs> that most people will call like self-critical, but really just that, that stubbornness determination, right? It's a duality of like stubbornness and determination. So that, that was just really interesting to me. And then also being a natural man, this, this is one thing that, uh, I'll call you out a little bit on this, but it's for a good, it's for a good thing. And the reason is because like you being a natural, like your, your statement was 
I, I had relied on being a natural for 15 plus years. And like that in itself is like contradictory. Cause like, dude, you have 15 years of reps. Right. And so like, you may have come to the table with like one more tool than the other, you know, 12 year olds when you started, but that just, that compiled over that 15 years. The only reason I say that too, is because I I do the same thing, right. It's like, I'll I'll naturally pick it up and be like, use it as like a a scapegoat to take like the spotlight off of me. But uh, that said, man, 15 years, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time to, to become a natural no one's a natural overnight right yeah well yeah and i mean it does take someone else's perspective to remind me that what i did have did take a lot of time and practice so but it's very easy to to like ah, I'm, I'm okay you know it's very easy <laughs> like you said to take the spotlight off of you uh but yeah that, that I, I, it's a uh, it's something that like the going back to the determination and the stubbornness like I cannot shake that anymore. And that's the one great thing about, I mean, being a former athlete, this is why like most of the stats, like if you were an athlete, you learn, you're like one of the most hired people, you're one of the most high achievers, all this stuff. But I think that's the, one of the things. It's like the duality of determination and stubbornness. It's like, I'm going to get this shit done, even if I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in, in that breath too, man, like obviously you felt a heavy weight of disappointment going through that, that process, that recruiting and that sort of thing. What was the, what was the good? What was the positive? What came out of that that really helped you grow? Uh, the, the good that I only realized afterwards was, like I said, that, that, that constant failure of not reaching what my, uh, I thought my potential was. And that forced me to ask the question, why? Why am I not seeing the results that I thought I could make? Why am I not where I wanted to be? And because I kept asking that question, I was like, you know what? I need to figure it out. I, 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 I decided that I needed to figure it out. And that, that facility that I was at, they offered me a personal training job. So I was like, okay, I had no, I did not reach my potential. I had no idea that I could even train outside of the gym and outside of the agility drills I did in college. So now I get the opportunity to learn and teach other athletes and be the person that I wish I had because I had no idea there was personal training until I was 22 trying to go professional. (laughs) Right, right. And because of that, I sucked at my personal training job because I didn't have any like formal certifications. They just said, hey, yeah, we're going to sign you on. Like here's a a CPR certification uh, and and you'll you'll figure out you're very personable. So you'll have a good time. And no, just because I'm personable doesn't mean I'm confident in telling a volleyball player that this football workout is going to help them with their verticals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So that, that was, that started my personal training career. I stayed at that job for six months. And for six months I was making like, $400 a month, like, because I couldn't make any, I couldn't convince people to train with me. I was, I was the new guy. I really didn't know much of what I was talking about. I was, I was always fun because we had like, we had to do like team, uh, team coaching. Um, so I would just like, I had volleyball teams, I had football, I had hockey teams and like, I would just get along with the athletes. I wouldn't really coach them. I was just their friend. And then that was the same feeling. I was like, I'm frustrated. Like I can't, get anyone to trust in me to train them. I literally have no living coming out of this job. Like, why am I struggling so hard? So that six months, 
I was, I was miserable unless I was training. So then I, I quit that job and I took a month and a half to get four personal training certifications. And that was like, oh, that's the missing key. But just to go back to your original question, that initial like flop of always asking why, I never asked why. I would always just kick myself when I was down. I would always just like, I'm not gonna watch film because I had a shitty game. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna stay a little bit longer after practice just to run because I had a shitty practice. Like, you know, it was, it was always punishment. It was never asking, where's the issue? So that is what sparked me to always say, like, there's, there's a reason. So find that reason. And that's what is the good thing about all that, that failure that came out. I started asking why. And because of that, I've been able to grow in more ways than I ever thought. I'm still not where I want to be, but man, you look at me just last year around this time, I was, I'm still, I'm a completely different person because of all that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I really love that idea of asking why. And it, for me, this was like, I think you can relate just based off of the stories I'm hearing from you too, is like when you hit one, you never credit yourself enough as an athlete, right? You're always like, mm -hmm. Oh, like I heard it in your voice too. Like I played at, it was a D two school. Like it wasn't yeah. D one. Right. And I'm like, I do the same thing. I was like, yeah, it's like, it, it, I played football at a small D three school or whatever. And, and it's just, you, you, you take that slide away. But um, anyway, it's just about that giving credit to yourself sometimes it's a challenge too, because if you grow up being a natural, being a leader, being a captain or the best on the team or whatever it is, and you always hear the voice telling you like, you're so good, you're so good. And then you spend time and maybe you taste it and you kind of like you say, nah, push that spotlight to the side, but then you don't ask, Hey, why doesn't this person see me as that? Right. Where you have like an army of people telling you you're good, you're the best, you're going to go places. And then the only voice that matters is the one person that says no. Right. And, you know, maybe for you as the recruiters or some of the other trainers or whatever in that next level, for me, I had intentionally chosen a school, a different school because of the coach at, at the, at this other school. And I was like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to work with that guy. He's just not my vibe. That guy became my offensive coordinator the following year. And I was like, <laughs> but I just got caught in that situation where I was like, I'm, I'm better than this. Why aren't I seeing like the touches, the carries, the whatever, but I never asked him like why, or even better yet, like how, right. Cause you talk about potential. And I think you'll love this line. One of my, um, my captains on, on the football team. So this too, you said potential gets you fired, right? Because it's like, if all you ever have is potential and you, you don't back that up with execution. Yeah. Someone's about to take your spot. Right. Oh man, that's good. Yeah. So I was like, but I never question. I never questioned that. Cause I was like, I was just stuck in that, in that why, why, why. And I never went to how, and I think that's where things started changing for me personally, but uh, I just had to touch on it because that, that questioning yourself, it's huge. It's important. It is major. I love how you pick up on psychological uh, pieces. Like I, I just, it, like, like you say, we're, we're on the same wavelength. And you notice the, the same language that you do and you have to like, you, you catch it. And if you don't catch it, it doesn't get any better. And that, that goes into a whole bunch of other things that we, I'm sure we could talk about. Uh, but as like, like you're saying, like this, this whole uh, never giving yourself credit, it, it, it can eat away at you, you know, and like we're both coaches 
And I mean, imposter syndrome runs rampant in, in our in industry. I mean, for me, it was. And I mean, even even uh, back when I was playing, I was I felt like an imposter because people were saying you're you're really you're really good. But to me, I was like, no, I'm I'm not. I'm not where I should be. But I never asked the how of I, how I could be. I never. I just accepted that. Oh, right. I show up. I do my best, and that's it. Uh, I was I was starting. That's enough. That's all I needed to do. It wasn't the like people would look to me like we need you to make the play to stop the end of the game. I was like, okay, I, I can't do that. I, I can't. I'm just gonna do my job. Just gonna do my job. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing, you know. It's just that, and that psychological piece is something that I've, I've big on and with myself because even like like I said, like the person I'm sitting that's sitting in this chair right now is not the same person that was here last year because any of that stuff you would say, I would be like, okay, all right, Joe, cool, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> yeah. noticing how like the words that we use to describe ourselves they're incredibly powerful and even with all the work that i have st done i still have that kind of skirt <laughs> off like what i actually have accomplished you know and it's just that natural that critic that just doesn't allow you to kind of uh, enjoy what you do make from time to time it's uh it's annoying <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i look it's two coaches right like you get paid to judge other people and like that that comes with a responsibility to not be go out and be a judgmental person and to be more of an observer and i say that because you it's a fine line and every their coaches are going to hit certain depths different depths of connection with their clients their athletes and what have you but knowing the type of product that you're, you're putting out there, the type of connection you're seeking with your athletes is that like that, that bit of judgment that comes with observation is necessary for growth. And that, you know, that's what people sign up for, right? If they wanted, if they just, if they just wanted a, a, a plan, like so many people think that they need, right? Just follow steps one through 10, lose weight, have better sex and, you know, make more money, right? It's like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't gonna work so anyway that that just that observation into judgment whole thing man it's just uh it's necessary and we got to do that with ourselves too and no one's perfect on it it's always going to be we're always going to have that little chip on our shoulder right because if you oh, don't yeah. what are you working towards right exactly yeah it, it, it all has to start with being able to do that to yourself first you know like uh i'm very big on like my my, my messaging is is to try and transform people, but also to realize that are they actually believing in what they say they want? Like, do they want to have better sex? Do they want to look better? Do they want to feel better, have, get paid more? Or is it just like something that is just like, oh, that'd be a cool thing if I could get, but it's not actually something I want to pursue, you know? And that, that's what I try to, I have to question myself every single day. Like, is this something that I want to do? And if I, if I, if it's yes, then I show up again. And the, the day I say no, which I've been, I've gone like over a year with saying yes every day, even though there's some days I'm like, this is not what I want. <laughs> this is not what I want, but I really do. Uh, it's, 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 it's more than meets the, it's more than, it's more than just the, the end result, right? It's, yes. it's, it's the, yeah. what are you working for? You're working yeah. for, yes, the physical result, but it's the, the mental and the spiritual aspects that you gain along the way that as you identify these self-limiting behaviors, i.e. kicking yourself when you're down and not admitting like that you actually have worked really hard for something, 
uh, is, is limiting you from actually achieving the things that you do want. And like you said, like we, we judge people in a way that like, Hey, we, we challenge them. We are, we are the, per, the thing that's the, the, that's way better than any plan that you're going to get because a plan doesn't give a damn who you are. A coach yeah. is like is invested and wants you to succeed even when you don't want to succeed. Like that's, that's why I love this shit, man. That's oh, but and going to tie it all back. It had to start with me wanting to do that for myself to want to see it in other people. Right, right, yeah, dude. It's it's huge. It's that it's that chip on your shoulder, right? You're addressing yeah. it, and now you're now now your rewards. Like you think about it, and and I think more people need to do this too. Is we we oftentimes look at hey what accolade am I going for and you, you could call it whatever you want a paycheck a, a a trophy a contract whatever right but it's like you like for us specifically as coaches but for many people working with other people it's like your reward is that that person's progress your reward or is that person's commitment to themselves because progress doesn't always look like getting a six pack in six weeks in fact. How, how many times does it actually look like that? Right? You know? <laughs> Unless you've already built a shit ton of muscle without realizing it. And then you yeah. just need to get cut for six weeks. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, you're already people. No, that's not the case. <laughs> right. Right. I like that too. I like that. It's, it's like context. Context is king. All right, man. Well, I, I am very curious because, uh, because I know my own story. I used to work with a professional volleyball player and another college soccer player. And I love just hearing this story is like, what was your nutrition education like as an athlete? Man, okay, that's a good one. And that's why I think I like the nutrition side more than I do like the fit fitness side. Like both are equally important, but my nutrition education was, it started when I was a kid and my mom said, no more soda, that's it. That was the only restriction. When it's football season, no more soda as if the pop tarts and the candy weren't equally <laughs> as bad without the soda. But that was like the first thing like that, that I kind of adopted that. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll eat everything, but I'll cut out soda. So that was the first like little nutrition knowledge. But then as I got older and I didn't really get school coached on any nutrition until I got to high school. And that was, Hey, you're small. Keep eating, keep eating. That's it. It's like, eat what? I don't know. Keep eating. So then my senior year comes around and I get this new head coach and he's like, okay, keep eating. You're going to eat six peanut butter jelly sandwiches a day. I eat three and I'm like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> yes, that, like, I didn't touch peanut butter for probably a year and a half after that. Yeah. Uh, but I also like stopped eating those sandwiches. So my mom would make them for me and I'd take them to the school. I'd eat like half of one and I would just hide the rest. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I, I ate them, but I'm, uh, I'm not getting away. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> sick of eating peanut butter. But like, it was always just eat more. And then we get to get to college. And then I've just been kind of brainwashed by this, just eat more, eat more. And it just got, it got so old. I was like, I feel like I'm eating everything I can. I'm right. still not seeing weights. I didn't understand uh, calorie balance. Like I didn't really know how many calories I was burning, uh, the, how much I needed to eat to gain weight. I was like, holy crap. I was always incredibly active. So I had the, I had the hardest time doing that. So I get to college and like the first two, 
to two and a half years was the same thing. Like you're undersized, keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. It's like, I'm a poor college student. I can't afford groceries like this, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Yeah. And that was, again, there was no concept of what calorie density or, or, or nutrient density or what, what was to eat. I could have gained weight if I knew what I was doing. Uh, but then my, my third year, we got uh, our new strength coach and he's awesome. Like the, the reason I got so strong and, and big was because of him. He gave us a nutrition pro, uh, uh, presentation about protein, carbs, and fats. And I, I don't remember most of it, but I do remember how stubborn I was when he came in there. It was like, I'm broke. I can't afford groceries. Like this is, this doesn't mean anything to me because I had no idea that food is fuel. I like, if I could pro- give my body the, the proper amount of fuel, again, understanding calories and all the different nuances, unprocessed process that I could have enhanced my performance when in reality, I was like, no, I, I, if I can't produce enough adrenaline, then I, I don't need it or something like that. That was so stupid. But in one year, right <laughs> after the one. Um, and then uh, as I was training for my professional uh, 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 tryouts, I, and I was in that, in that training facility, uh, one of the athletes, he had, a, he had an agent, he was an All-American, uh, played against him, this fucking freak of nature athlete. Uh, he would show up with four or five meals already prepared and he eat one before he'd eat one after one he'd have all these supplements and i was like why like are you calculated yeah yeah it was yeah. so calculated and i was like dude like what are you doing this for like why are you taking creatine why are you taking glutamine why are you taking protein all this stuff he was like oh it's for help muscle recovery balance all this stuff i was like oh, okay cool right yeah. in one ear right another one again and so that all to say my nutrition education was diddly squat other than keep eating. So that idea was to I, like to change, to, to, to uh, adapt was to keep eating. I hated nutrition. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and yeah. all of it happened. Uh, or the reason why I got so interested is I got married last year, last August and uh, January of 2020. I was like, okay, I'm going to actually take my nutrition seriously now. So I reached out to a friend of mine who was a registered dietitian. I said, Hey, these are my goals. This is how tall I am. Like, do you know the best like way to like what macros I should follow? And she was like, uh, I don't know anything. She asked for a bunch of different info. I was like, I can't answer this. She's like, okay, eat 300 grams of protein, 200 grams of carbs and 100 grams of fat. You'll, you'll shred out. I'm like, <laughs> cool. Thanks. And then I actually noticed that as I was tracking my food, I started to understand food and all this stuff. I was like, where was this? when I was playing sports. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it, like, that's that I talked to so many people that when they play college sports, they're like, it's hard not to, to get into that mindset of be like, how dangerous could I have been if I had known this? Like, I think about like my training too, and just like rest recovery. Like I remember hitting a 425 back squat, which was a PR for me in college after four hours of sleep, I had snuck over to my now wife's dorm room. And I was just like, Hey, cool. Like hang out, like, you know, watch this fucking sunrise, sunset, all the good, whatever. And uh-huh. 6am workouts come around 425 back. So I'm like, yeah, I'm getting after it. Like this whole sleep thing, <laughs> I'll sleep when I die. And it's just like, man, some of that stupid shit that you just think about and hold on. So it's hard not to look back on that. And it really is a responsibility, like I said before, to take that and teach it to other people, but also to own it yourself and be like, well, 
I didn't have it then, but I have it now. So let's see what I can do, right? Exactly, exactly. I actually went back to my college to give a nutrition sort of uh, presentation because of that. And I, I, I spoke just like that. Like you're, if I was sitting in that same spot, the guy up here that was giving my presentation, I'm about to give you, I didn't listen to a damn thing. You know what? I didn't do shit with my career. I was like trying to make them scared to at least like listen to me. Right. And I, I was able to talk to the, the whole football team and the soccer team. And uh, they want me to come back uh, for the fall. So that was super, super exciting. Yeah. Like you said, like now that I have it, I I need to, I need to share it. People need to know because like the amount of people I get more, I get asked about supplements more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, how much do you bench and what, what kind of protein do you have? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it does not matter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that. I love how you went all the way back to like, to no soda and like how that all worked. I actually remember my, my pregame meal for high school game. It wasn't. So two things about pregames, you know, like both of these, but in high school, my morning of game day was a tin of cinnamon rolls. So it's just like the whole fucking thing. Just mouth. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe like a glass of milk in there, even out the protein. <laughs> no. And then, uh, you let me know if this, if this happened with you too, but one of the things that I think about often is Saturday game day, games at noon or one o'clock. And then, I mean, that was what most of them were for us. You eat a big breakfast and I literally would not even like eat anything before the game. I would just eat my breakfast, do my like pregame and you got like a pregame, whatever, but I would never even eat anything before the game. And I think back to that, I'm like, how the hell did I play a three hour football game like literally not eating since well, let's call it 9 a.m. And then next meal is at 4 35 p.m. Like yeah. I'm basically playing this game like fasted. I didn't even think about yeah. that. <laughs> it's crazy. Dude, that is oh man. So I would always hate playing because we have to eat for pregame was uh from a, the chow hall, and it was just like powdered eggs, uh sausage and yogurt that was essentially it and then we'd have like like mcdonald's hash browns or something right like i always hated filling up on that because that made me want to throw up but then like you said like you don't eat anything else afterwards uh, until like after the game and like i would would get the halftime exhausted like dead and immediately think i'm out of shape like i I just yeah i don't know i'm running as much as i possibly can in practice like why don't i have the energy it's just we don't have the fuel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's insane, man. It's insane. So that was just like, those are just two memories that I just can't even like, how did someone not just catch me? And say, I like think of like Billy Madison, like <laughs> stay here. Oh, dude, stay here. Oh, oh, man. Dude, it's crazy to think about uh, back stuff like that, but uh, I'm interested. Uh, you and Allie just had a, a, a anniversary, right? No, her birthday was this last weekend. Oh, okay. so we we made a trip back. We made a trip back. So we've been together for two and a half years now, and uh, we had gone back to Wisconsin for the first time since moving to Arizona. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, what's nice. up? Yeah, yeah. Was there a question you had on it? Oh, I was just uh, seeing because you yeah. said you're now wife, and uh, just, oh yeah how that all kind of felt because I'm, I'm super interested in asking people about how they uh how they find the one yeah <laughs> yeah well that's good because i i do have 
I'm, I'm glad you brought it up or like that because I have more stuff on, on relationships too, that I want to cover just because I know that that's an important, it's something of value to you, but just quick story on Allie and I meeting is so funny because like, <laughs> it's like, you think about it and you're like, I don't know about you, but I've like totally judged my friends. Guys, you're listening. I'm sorry. Don't go find your wife in a bar or anything like that. And of course, me and Allie met at a bar and just like hit it off. And uh, yeah, so went to the bar. Her friend was like, saw that we were connecting and invited me to the house party that we went to after that. And it was just like, again, just sort of hit it off and man, we dated for six and a half or seven and a half years, something like that. Um, now we've been married for two and a half. So uh, <laughs> wow. you can't, you can't meet your wife in a bar. It's not always the worst <laughs> case scenario. Um, there may have been some Long Island iced teas, but <laughs> yeah, man, that that's us. But what about, what about you and Hannah? Oh man. So um, she friend zoned me for three and a half years, <laughs> uh, but like, the first time I, I ever saw her, uh, we were it was the go, the summer going into freshman year. We went to the same college, and um, they had this freshman Facebook group that they were like encouraged, like "Come on, get to know the people that you're going to go to school with." And I was like, "Okay, I, one, I've always been like super socially awkward with with social media. Like I, I like seeing people, I like like getting their vibe in person. So I didn't know like how to, how to work with chat rooms. Like, how do you just start a conversation with a bunch of people you don't see, you know? So, uh, like one day I just make a random post, like, Hey, I'm Jonah. I live in Aurora, Colorado, blah, 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 blah. Like super excited to go to a small town. Um, and got like one or two likes. I was like, cool. That was, that was worth <laughs> that the <worked>. time. <laughs> um, so then I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just periodically scroll. And then Hannah made a post in there randomly. And I was like, Oh, this girl seems pretty cute. I clicked on her profile and saw our senior pictures. Um, and it's both, we were both 18 back then. So this is fine. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of stalked her, but there was this, this one photo uh, that she was, that she took with uh, one of her aunt's, her aunt's horses. Um, and she was looking directly at the camera. It was like, look like it was, she was looking directly at me. I was like, I got to meet this girl. And I had a crush on her before I even knew who she was. So then we meet, each other in the freshman dorms both incredibly drunk hanging out with too many people to be like oh that's the girl but like we had a good time i was like oh hey you're hannah and oh, i'm jonah blah 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 and then we don't really kind of but that's how we kind of started our friendship and then i've always had a crush on her but i, I was in college uh I, I went to college with a girlfriend uh not recommended i do not recommend that um, <laughs> We were at separate colleges, but we were doing long distance. Again, don't recommend that either. Um, and this, and Hannah would always like, I would always ask her to hang out, like nothing, never did anything crazy, but every, it would be like three every three or four months. Like, hey, you want to go get lunch? Just to, just to hang out. And, I, and this, uh, we did that for a couple of years. And then when I finally broke up with my, um, my long distance girlfriend, I started taking it a little bit more seriously. So I started dressing up a little bit nicer, <laughs> like the six months before she actually like gave me a shot. And uh, every time I would go pick her up, I'd be in jeans, a nice shirt, combed hair, and oh, she'd yeah. come out in a bun, hoodie, and, <laughs> and I'm like, just that classic dorm look, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it, it took a while in, until like, I uh, really disclosed that I wasn't just a jockey football player who had a resting bitch face all the time. That I was actually <laughs> kind of 
I was kind of a nerd. I, I enjoyed reading. I, I read 1984 and all of the, those classic ones. She's like, oh, this guy's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of smart sometimes. So that <laughs> uh, going into her senior year, she actually sparked the idea of, uh, of actually um, giving me a shot. So that was fun. And it just kind of, everything fell through that. So we've been together for four years. God, time has flown and married um, for one year in August. Um, and we like, I moved in with her within like two months of dating and it, things just kind of melded together. And like with the baggage that we brought, we, everyone usually brings into a relationship uh, was brought up and we had not everything was good, but it, it worked out. Like right. was the first girl that made me, that challenged me to, to get a little, a little bit better. So uh, yeah, it's always a, a fun story. It started as an internet stalker to marrying her. To <laughs> well, dude, I think it's I think it's funny. I think it speaks to our time because I knew because like Allie when she met me was like went to find me on social media and it was like we were already friends. Like you know, <laughs> we were like oh okay, and like I knew who she was because like small school, you're you're gonna know who all the pretty girls are. <laughs> so anyway. Um, no, I think that's, it's awesome. I think it's funny too. You guys moved in two months in because Allie and I rented apartments and we didn't know this. They were two doors away from each other. So really? like we, like there was, there's only a small selection of off-campus housing and dude, it was like four or five months in and we were like, literally we were neighbors, which means you're basically living with each other, you know? Yeah. So that's so funny. Funny, <laughs> funny that was similar, but no, I, I mean like, you guys still work really closely. We were talking a little bit about it before too. And like, how does that, how does that work? Care to share about kind of how that works with, you know, you and Hannah working together or what's, you know? Yeah. So I told Hannah from the start that, I mean, really, I, I started doing all this entrepreneurial stuff because of her, her family, it, her dad owns a, a wedding event center. Her aunt owns a restaurant. Um, and Hannah's always had entrepreneurial spirit spirit. Um, and like, without her really realizing it, she gave me the, the idea to kind of start doing this on my own. Um, so when I started doing it, I started doing it last, uh, April, 2020, and I started doing all of like the social media posting, the programming and all that stuff, uh, by myself. And it was, it was miserable, but Hannah had a full-time job and, uh, she was like, all right, I'm supporting us mainly. So you do your thing and figure it out. I like, okay. I'm going to figure it out. So I, basically did it for eight months by myself. And I like, I was constantly like prodding her like, Hey, you should quit your job and come help me. You should quit your job and come help me. And it was, it was very, uh, she, we're very, she's very type A. I'm very type B. She's like very organized all this. And I'm just like, come on, let's jump in head first and fucking sink or swim. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, it just took a little while to convince her. And when she did leave her job in December or January, uh, recently, uh, I told her like, this means a lot to me, but our relationship means more. So if the business started taking over, uh, I would cut it all off. Like that's, that's my, that's my hard line. Like I, I have that boundary. Like if we become business partners more than, more than a married couple, like that's it. And we've gotten close from time to time. So it's it has to, it's had to, uh, we've had to set boundaries, right? what we're good at, what we're not good at, what we're trying to focus on, what, what, what's the general direction we want to go. Um, and as we've uh, constantly, we don't really fight and argue, like there's some disagreements, um, but usually I'm very like, get to the problem right now so we can, so this doesn't come up later. 
Um, and usually based all of this trial and error and the boundaries that we made, like we have a 5 p.m. no business talk and uh, before 8 a.m. no business talk. But then we can talk about business. Sometimes we break that rule, but it's still a boundary that we've had to set that uh, that allows us to define relationship business. And that's what I think is super, super important because like we were talking about a little bit either at the beginning of this or before we were recording, you go in grind mode and your produ production mode. Like you want to go, go, keep putting things out, keep putting things out. And for so much, for a long time, that's all I, that's all I was in. That's all she was in. And we kind of stopped talking about like regular ass things. Um, and just like plain ass, like, yeah, like boring, whatever talk. But I mean, like it starts there. Right. And then, and then you hit the depth, but it's like, I, I totally relate to that, man. I think, and I think many people do, right. Oh, people yeah. come to us that are driven and want to accomplish so much. It gets stuck in, in drive mode. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we were. We, we, she quit her job and it was very exciting. And like, she, she wanted to do all the back office gra graphic design stuff. And I was like, cool. That leaves me just uh, times to coach. But then like, I had this really hard time of letting go of control because I've been doing it for eight months by myself. Um, and then she comes in with all these ideas and I'm sitting here like, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And then that was really troubling on our relationship, like very. Yeah. And it was so like, I, again, I'm very get to the bottom of it, but like, I usually feel like a blockage with our communication when something like that comes up. Like I cannot, or I have a very hard time expressing like why I disagree with something or why I don't think this will work. Um, and it got to the point where she just was like <laughs> frustrated with me. And the second I, I realized that I, I couldn't express it, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to let go. Like, this is where I want to go. You do you. You take the reins and we'll see what happens. And that, that point allowed, the, the, the line was drawn. Like, this is where I live. This is where she lives. I don't cross it. And she doesn't cross mine. And that's how we kind of started to co-live uh, the business relationship with sanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> able to say, this is my job, this is your job, I'll help, but I'm never going to cross the line and say, like, you're doing it wrong, or I'm, I can do it better, you know, um, but, but because of these things, because of these lessons, uh, our relationship, our business relationship, and our, our personal relationship has evolved, uh, so much so that now she's studying to get her coaching certification, and I'm trying to learn a little bit more of the, uh, the graphic design and marketing side, so that eventually she's going to start coaching, and we're going to do this literally together, yeah, uh, that's and it's tough. super exciting. Yeah. And it, but like, if you, I, I firmly believe if you don't communicate and voice boundaries and, and understand what you need for yourself and out of the relationship, you're going to lose it. If you don't, uh, if you don't have that, those conversations, which can be very hard when it's something that like is conflicting with what your partner believes. Does that make, does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I mean, dude, I love, I'm a big, like, boundaries person. And I think that the reason that I I'm so big on it is because I'm the biggest violator of boundaries, like <laughs> of my like personal boundaries. Yeah. So I have to have many of them. Right. And like, you know, my wife and I are the opposite where Allie's way more type B, I'm more type A. And so like I set up the boundaries so that I can stay on the path that I, that I envision is most successful. And so sometimes I have issues with like anxiety with the spontaneity or something like that. But, and that's where you have a relationship, right. For, to, to balance out that feeling. But one thing I wanted to ask you too, was 
I love that idea of boundaries that you guys have set up in your own relationship there between work or personal and business. Is that something that you find yourself coaching clients on a lot? You know, a lot of the, yes, indirectly. I don't sure. usually use the term boundaries. Okay. Um, mainly, be, mainly because it doesn't like resonate with them at the time. Um, usually it's like the, the client that has a million things, a million and one things to do and never really seems to find times for themselves. Um, I kind of like, I just did this yesterday, actually. I, 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 I called her out on, like she says, like my character, I, I, I hold, I would never lie. I would never cheat. I would never, I would never steal because I, I, I look to be a good example. I like to take care of everybody around me. So I'm like a, this dependable person. I was like, okay, cool. So when do you do that for the number one person that needs to be at their best for yourself? Because she, she had like many people, this is not just her, but everyone has, or, or many people have this cycle where they go, I'm super motivated. I'm going to do the thing, but then I kind of repeat, I, I, I fall off because I don't see progress. And then I kind of give myself more leeway and then I'm completely off the wagon and then I hate myself for it. You know, like that is in itself not setting boundaries for yourself because you've separated what this people pleasing personality from the actual person you are. So there's no boundary between the two. So whenever you look at yourself in the mirror, you're angry, you're frustrated. You don't know why, but I have to, I don't, I will never lie. I'll never cheat. I'll never steal. So why don't you, why don't you, why do you do all three of those things to yourself? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's making them, everything starts with awareness. Like we, we act, we don't really know that the things that we're doing are doing are not serving us. We just feel the <laughs> angry side, the frustrated side. Uh, but going back to that, the first thing, like never asking why it's just like that, this sucks. Like everything I do doesn't work. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I do, but I have to make, make sure I word it in a way that's like, uh, usually I don't say boundaries, but it, in the context of their situation, like that one was very specific because those were the words she was using for me. Another, uh, a few other clients, like, uh, it's usually the ones that don't really know how to prioritize themselves. So that's when it's coaching, understanding that you are a person that needs to be taken care of as well as your kids, your spouse, your job, all these things. So I find myself doing it now that you asked me, uh, I, I do it a lot. <laughs> well, I, the reason I, I had like noted that was I was just, you know, going through some of your content too. And it's funny because I'll, I will think I will, I will interview someone on a, on a podcast and I will think about like specific posts that really like spoke to me, but I also like to go back and, and just take a look at like your, your social media and your messaging and that sort of thing. And I just did like a glance over of like the, what is it called? Like the quadrants or the, yeah. you know, the grid, the grid. the grid. That's what it is. So I looked over the grid and then there was like three posts spread out, but it's, which is good, right? It's a consistent message was show up for yourself. And I kept seeing that. And I was like, all right, man, clearly this is an important thing. And I, and I say it a lot, probably in a, in a different way, uh, but a hundred percent same message of showing up for yourself. And man, how have you seen that work for people where they're able to flip that switch and instead of always people pleasing and pushing out to work in a little bit more? What have you, how, how have you seen that work for people? I'm very happy that you asked me this question because I had this recent realization and that's 
that's why I've been saying like pushing that message, sh show up, show up for yourself. Um, because man, like when you boil things down, like nothing is new, right? Nothing we teach is new. Nothing that these people are doing is new. Like this is all behavior. This is all scientific studies that we, we teach and all that, all that, that jazz. But it really comes down to realizing that like boil it all down. Like what's the, what's the worst thing that happens to you when you end up going to the gym? You get sore most of the time, right? Or, or there's some psychological things, but you're yeah. gonna get sore from it, but you're not gonna die. You're not gonna die, right? So I, I usually go back to like when I was back in football and like I really didn't wanna go to weights or I really didn't wanna go to practice. I really didn't wanna do the thing. I wanted to lay in bed. I wanted to play video games. That's all I wanted to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm dreading it. I'm dreading, it, I'm dreading, it. I'm driving there. I'm still dreading it. And then I get in the moment of doing that thing. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This ain't that bad. I actually feel really good that I'm moving around and I'm practicing. So that is what sparked this whole just show up. Because if you just show up, it's really not as bad as you, these, these beliefs that we put in our head of, of what, it, what, it, what it is that we struggle with. Oh, I can't meal prep. Oh, I don't have time to go to the gym. Oh, I, I need to make sure everyone around me is taken care of. It's like, these are all beliefs that you set, but you show up for those things all the time. But some, somewhere along the line, you said you're, you don't matter. So that messaging of just showing up to, to realize that it's not as bad as we think it is. And that will allow us to start working for. And I actually had a pod. I did, I did my own podcast about this because I've been so like fucking, uh, passionate about Gotta it. Gotta get it out. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's all about like putting it into perspective and what it can do for people is really realize that the stories that we tell ourselves and this that the stories the fears that we have are just in between our ears they're not real it's something that we have just accepted for some reason but if we just end up showing up and realizing that it's not that bad it it, it turns something massive like a, someone who wants to lose 100 pounds into a very small and doable, doable piece of piece of information or uh, goal that says this can get done. You know, everyone starts with a big picture in mind, and that's great. Like you want there's there's people who say start with the end in mind, which is important. But the biggest piece is take those smaller bite size. The biggest idea I try to give people with the just show up messaging is take bite sized pieces because eventually. You're going to get to that, that massive goal, but you need to take consistent steps. And just showing up is the first step. And then you realize that everything you've told yourself, every lie or belief that says like, I can't do this, or this is too hard, kind of melts away because you slowly reprogram that thought. Like I can get this done. I can commit 15 minutes to myself every day. I can, I can walk down to my apartment gym and then walk back up because that's progress. That's, I may not be going there, but I'm making the progress. I'm taking the steps. And I, I don't know why this analogy goes well, uh, goes well with it for me, but uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Like, <laughs> yes. That one is just like, that one always resonates. You never resonates with me. You would never actually eat an elephant, but if you were to take on that task, it would just bunker down and take one <laughs> bite, one bite. So unless you're trying to go to the NFL, then, you know, you might be, uh, <laughs> you might be doing a couple of plates. No, I do. I, I resonate with it. I love it. 
it's it's weird to it's not weird because obviously we're both driven we come from a similar background and it's like man those are those are those are my words that I say too, like very very similarly, right? I haven't used the elephant one in a while. That was my mom used to give me that one all the time. That's uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's that like process versus outcome, right? Is like okay, keep the long term, but let's focus on the process. So I love that, man. Um, it sounds like just hearing you talk about it that you're like because I'm like all right boundaries and then like some of the stuff like I'm putting labels on it. And you're like, well, I don't do that with my clients, but then I do this and you're like, oh wait, yeah, I do. I do it with all of my clients. (laughs) It's just different, right? You're working with individuals. So that unconscious thought, like as you're like thinking out the words, you're like, oh wait, you know what? Actually you're, you're right. Cause it's like, (laughs) think of it the way that someone else does. And until you start explaining it, it's like, oh wait, no, it's the exact thing that they just said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, dude, I, you're posting a lot of recipes so I wanted to talk about that too. I wanted to ask you about that because um, I'll reserve my thoughts on recipes after this. And it's maybe not what you think, but I'm just curious, like, dude, you like cooking? You guys make some good ass food too. So like, tell me about that. You guys have fun doing that. What's up with the recipes? You know, cooking is one of the things that used to give me so much anxiety because like, how do you, how do you time management? How do you manage your time with food? And then what happens if you burn it? Oh, you got to throw it away. And then there's so much anxiety around food in my family. And I think that's where that comes from um, because my mom didn't really enjoy cooking. I don't, I don't believe, or if she did, um, she didn't really express it all that much. So anyway, I think that's where that stems from, but in the, that's where my own reservation came from it. So cooking was so scary because I was like, Oh God, that's so complicated. (laughs) Hannah really enjoys it. And I mean, since we've been together, she's been meal prepping for me. Uh, because I just never had time to cook. And dude, like if I tell you my diet was horrible in college, like McDonald's Sonic and then like wings and garlic knots was my daily, <laughs> daily diet. It was bad. I had you, I, I'm with you, man. I was the p- pizza a day diet. That was, that yes. was my, my freshman 15 right there. Yeah. I got $8 and pizza huts right down the street. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we, because of Hannah and how much she has fun with it. I mean, she buys cooking like, uh, like food books and learns a lot about it. And then, uh, with as much as like meal prepping as she has done for the both of us, I, I kind of sat there and uh, you, you might resonate with this, but as men, like we don't really have a purpose like, like women do where like they, they give life. They're these super, mm-hmm. super amazing beings that literally allow us to continue existing men we kind of do our thing and then like that's that's it like (laughs) i don't know if you follow nick ross from nci but his saying like men have to contribute to feel like we we feel we feel that 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 same that cosmic thing that women do so as i'm seeing her uh always doing the meal prepping and all that stuff i was like i want to start contributing i want to make sure that she doesn't resent this after a while because i'm just a lazy piece of shit who sits on the couch um (laughs) that being said, like now it's become something that was so very anxiety inducing for me, really fun because, you know, I, I, again, I have my own reservations about social media and posting all the time. And that's just like the thought in my head that I'd tell, but it's a, it's a means to an end. So I have to do it, but taking that, those reservations of social media and those, the the anxiety about cooking, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this to contribute to Hannah and to, if this is something that's going to help the, not only my clients, but people who follow me, um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it fun. It's going to be weird. And it's going to be, 
I want to make it simple because another thing that was uh, very anxiety inducing was I thought meal prepping and cooking was this very complicated, hard thing. You have to be so creative and all this stuff. It's like it's really recipes simple. and measuring cups and yeah, like meal prep containers and all that shit yeah yeah and those are all just tools to make your life a little bit easier once you know what you're doing and that's again just show up just start doing it so now cooking and posting recipes are just some little fun thing that me and hannah do to just kind of do a little bit more um just as not spice up the relationship but like take a something that i resented and make it into something that i could not only share with Hannah, but also like, Hey, this is really easy. Do this. Like it's super simple. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that, man. It, it sounds like, yes, it's a little bit of like, it's, it's not so in your face, but it's a little bit of that discomfort, like pushing each other into a little bit of discomfort or whatever, you know, in this case it's for, it's for you. Right. Um, but that's awesome, man. And I, I personally, I always say, tell my clients, like I'm anti-recipe, like you need to have a plan that doesn't rely on recipes, but I always say, keep it simple. And that's why I love some of the stuff you're posting. It's either, you know, like you're doing it at home. It takes less than five minutes. It's less than five ingredients, like those things. So uh, those are definitely awesome to see, man. Just wait for uh, tomorrow's protein spaghetti. Oh shit. <laughs> I was like, I gotta try the the chocolate banana ice cream. Oh, oh like my that. god. That looks three ingredients delicious. and it's delicious. Right. Oh, I'm like, goodness. I'm an ice cream fiend. And I'm not like so ice cream, like it doesn't have to be ice cream. I can I can do the fake stuff and and it presses the button. I'm okay admitting that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, dude, I have a couple quick questions for you because I always think that it's it's great to learn uh, just from what I know about you, but just showing off that personality kind of you're talking about too as well. But we talked a little bit about travel. Now, all things aside, all COVID aside, right? Two places you get to travel, one domestic, right? US and one international. Where are you going? Okay, that's a great question. International, New Zealand, major fucking uh, Lord of the Rings nerd. And that's, that's Hannah, awesome, and, yeah, dude, yeah. I, I thought I recognized it. I bring it up, uh, but that's super cool. I saw that back in back in Arizona. But yeah. um, anyway, so New Zealand, that was where our original honeymoon was supposed to go, but COVID happened. Um, so yes, New Zealand is top of the list. And then uh, domestic, I would have to say, I don't know what it is, but I'm like really connected to Montana, and mm. I don't know why. But like, I just heard only good things about it. And me and Hannah have these travel plans coming up actually very soon. And we get to go to Montana. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this right now. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. All right. (laughs) Workout songs is the next category. So you got to give me one hype workout song. You know, you're about to, about to pull five, five bills from the ground or something. And then weirdly motivating workout song. Oh, okay. 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 Um, Save Your Tears is my weird uh, motivation workout song. All right. All right. I like it. I like that one too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I don't know why. That's like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Like, this is rolling. Uh, But then, like, the the, the hyper, like, I'm a huge, huge death metal fan. Okay. Um, Or or heavy metal fan, whatever you call it. And I'm going to have to give you two. It's either um, Chop Suey. Just mm, yep. move it down, or uh, oh, I'm gonna forget the name uh, by Romstein. Um, oh goodness, Duhas. 
Not Duhas. Yeah, Duhas is up there. Duhas yeah. is up there. There's yeah. one more that's much more high high paced. Uh, but until I think of it, and I know we're running out of time, I'm just yeah. gonna call it Duhas. Yeah. A few other Rammstein songs that just. Oh man, I'm a pull yeah. seven hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. All right. Speaking of pulling seven hundred, what's your next fitness goal? Oh man, that's a great question. You know, I've uh, my 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 first goal, like my first actual fitness goal was to get really shredded and lean for my wedding. And I did that. Um, and ever since then, I've been able to maintain that leanness and I feel really good. Uh, it's gone up a little bit. I think I'm hovering around 13% body fat. Um, so my next fitness goal is kind of hard. If I'm being totally honest, I'm actually, uh, I, I kind of bounced from program to program. I was doing strength focus for a while and now I'm doing a, a more dynamic power focus one, uh, just to kind of challenge my body, see different things. Uh, but I think I have my eyes set on uh, doing a, well, there's, I, I'm sure you saw, seen the ads, the muscle and fitness uh, contest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I entered into that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to push that really hard. And if I do end up winning, uh, I'm going to try and get even lower for, for a magazine shoot. So that's like, uh, that's like kind of on my radar, but as of right now, like, I've been so focused on helping other people define theirs that it's been hard for me to say like, okay, I need to prioritize what I'm doing other than like maintenance, which is what I've been able to do since, since I got married last August. Um, so kind of a lame answer, but you know, I'm working on it. No, no. I was like, I was like, I wonder where he's going to go with this one, but sometimes it's like, I've had to do this too. I'm not right now. I'm going more endurance, but there's sometimes you just need a goal. That's like work out for 60 minutes, four times a week, just like, yeah make sure you're doing this to maintain so yeah exactly right on man no i love that so well dude i appreciate your time your i knew i knew this was going to be a good conversation i trusted that right from the beginning but uh dude jonah thank you for coming on man uh please share where where can the listeners find you uh oh, yeah thank you so much i i appreciate the opportunity and all this stuff so you can find me on social media uh, instagram uh jonah mitchell underscore fitness uh, Facebook is just Jonah Mitchell. You'll see me. Um, I'm shirtless. It's a great picture. Um, and then I have my own podcast called the athlete for life podcast. Uh, very similar to, to Joe's here. Um, still trying to get that off the ground, but it's a, it's a little fun side project I get to do. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's, that's it. Instagram, Facebook, and, and my podcast. Those are the big ones you can find me on. So, and I think I saw something too coming out, like you're up to something next week now. This, this podcast might be released like as you're in the middle of it, but you're doing some sort of education or something like that. Yeah. So I'm doing a three, uh, free three day, uh, the ultimate fat loss blueprint, blueprint event, uh, realizing that the people I work with and the people that have been following me, actually just in general, uh, the education around fitness and nutrition um, is very skewed. Um, so I'm doing like three days to build uh, you the ultimate like fat loss or really any any fitness goal you have because like this these three days are going to give you that foundation uh, on understanding what you should be doing for your training what you should be doing for your nutrition like preaching keep it simple um, and then giving people a free 90 days on like take it and go do this yourself um, and I'm very very excited about that and uh, I, I get to bring on a couple uh, guests to do that with me who are also fellow coaches are going to bring a bunch of uh, uh, tips and tricks and value that they've brought. Uh, and that's starting June 8th 
through no june 7th through the 9th so if this does come out next week and you're listening to it it's still going on and you should come do it you can come see it <laughs> so that's the only only way to find out is to go give them a follow so go check them yes. out guys uh jonah man thanks for coming on appreciate Thank you. you joe Man, we only touched the tip of the iceberg on that one. Such a great conversation. I love getting inside the minds of other coaches and sharing lessons learned from our experiences as athletes, coaches, leaders, and just humans. Honored to have Jonah join me on the show. If you loved our conversation, make sure you take a screenshot of it and tag us to let let us know that you're listening. If you want to hear more incredible conversations like this one, you can help increase the visibility of this show by leaving a five-star review, and you are always welcome to continue the discussion on Instagram or via email. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.